HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn, New American Cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome. This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insight with your host, me, Katie Kiefer. I'm broadcasting live from the back of Roberta's on Heritage Radio Network. We're located at 261 Moore Street. Brunch is now being served, folks. My guest in the studio today, which hardly ever happens, but in the studio today, I have Chris Daly. Chris founded Hip for kids. That's hip as in hospitality industry professionals. He brought that, uh, put, together, put together that program about 14 years ago. It's a 501c3 company and it's designed to educate parents and children on the fundamentals and ongoing importance of healthy eating and good nutrition. Hip for Kids' primary components include multimedia learning programs and community outreach through mo- innovative educational lifestyle programs for children and young adults. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, sitting in with us today as my co-host host and um, alter ego is Christy Robb. Christy is the food director for St. John's Bread and Life in uh, Bed-Stuy, where I sometimes volunteer. And um, she has definitely been the best thing that came out of that program for me. So Chris, give us the thumbnail. How'd you get Hip for Kids started? Because 14 years ago, childhood obesity epidemic was not on the radar of most people. How did you figure that out? That's right. Well, basically, the situation was uh, I was working in Paris with a Michelin-starred chef and uh, I was still a super runner at the time, and uh, this one chef in particular, one Saturday night, commented to me that, uh, you know, he said, oh, we're the same age. And I said, wow, uh, that's terrific. I didn't realize that. Uh, He was, you know, uh, had quite a bit of uh, weight on his frame, unfortunately, and, you know, real gourmand. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, he had wanted me to stay in in Paris and in France uh, and work with uh, Dannon to uh, teach children about what they typically call le goût, the flavor. And uh, I countered with, maybe we should start teaching people about portions and things like that. And uh, I had come back to New York and uh, had really noticed uh, throughout that Americans just right here in the five boroughs were uh, really, 
you know, not eating very good food uh, uh, for the most part, and that it seemed like everybody was uh, really kind of falling, uh, you know, prey to this manufactured food uh, crisis, uh, as I call it, uh, and uh, really just uh, uh, through a lot of medical people that I know, I started to put it together and saw the proverbial handwriting on the wall. I can see that. So um, I don't often think of French chefs as being fat. I have to say, I worked in France in a kid, several kitchens myself. Everybody was real thin, but um, maybe that was just you know old fashioned cuisine, or just a guy who liked to eat a lot. But anyway, um, so when you started Hip for Kids, what was the initial pro- what was the initial concept for the program? It was like working in schools. It was after school programs. It was like what was your vision of how this would get off the ground and how you would get kids interested was uh, all all of the above actually because the uh, situation was when i uh conceived it and i uh you know had the uh, the idea originally was going to be a 21st century multimedia company if you will uh and then the other half would be uh, public outreach which uh, uh we have uh, over the years developed eight separate programs uh that have been tailored from everything from what we call hip cooking 101 to hip cooking 104 we do community events, uh, large-scale events, uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, 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 the biggest uh, reaction that we have gotten really is hands-on in uh, very small uh, communities here in New York, if you will, very, you know, highly underserved communities where we've had, I think, terrific impact, uh, you know, especially Harlem. Uh, we're doing a lot of stuff in the Bronx here coming up in the fall, which was backburnered because of Sandy and then a bus strike. But, uh, you know, essentially, we've been almost you know, under the radar, if you will, for many, many years, because uh, we don't have a, you know, a huge budget. Uh, Nobody gets paid. Uh, The situation is, is that we take that programming directly into, you know, places like Bed-Stuy. We were working there eight years ago uh, with... uh, In the school system? No, this was actually, we did a couple of things in conjunction with the Roadrunners. Uh, but the whole situation is, is that we, you know, had tailored eight separate community programs that we really, uh, you know, felt would do the best, uh, uh, you know, uh, or have the most impact, I should say, after school especially. I realized very early on that there was so much work teachers have to do in school, you know, for a regular work day for them that, you know, the respite or, you know, the time to really get kids involved was after school. So Absolutely. And do the schools, I mean, you are in schools now or, or most of your programs are online or in community centers? I'm, I'm still a little sketchy on how this exactly works. They're, they're both, actually. We, we have curriculum that we had started putting up online uh, over a decade ago that, uh, for instance, was accessed by uh, Michelle Page Patterson and featured for uh, Healthy Steps to Albany two years in a row. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had curriculum and activity online for well over a decade. Uh, We are working in uh, schools in the Bronx currently with uh, Tomas Grobsky, one of our favorite principals, if he's listening. Uh, We, you know, basically had to uh, delay the rollout of programming that we did uh, last year in District 4 in Harlem, which was strictly after school for that district alone. Uh, And uh, basically that was uh, uh, brand new too hip for kids in that it was a a real synthesis of not only our after-school programming where the kids hands-on 
cook and learn the recipes and implement them themselves. Uh, but they also build a recipe book along the line. Uh, they interact with the multimedia that's being uh, published simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And there are other elements that are I'm keeping under the, the radar, so to speak, because it's intellectual property that, uh, you know, I, I just want to wait for us to be able to unveil it and, you know, take the credit for it. Uh, that'll happen this fall. Uh, we were supposed to be in the Bronx right now, but the bus strike actually got in our way. So when you have these uh, after-school programs and the kids are actually learning to cook, what faci- how do you how do you get the facilities? Like what are the schools New York that City have, schools. And they have culinary facilities available to you? What do you do? Do you bring in a hot plate or I can't imagine that they let you work in the in the kitchens. Well, one of the things that we do is we actually do work in the kitchen. Uh, and uh, Principal Grobsky, for instance, Nancy Pereira in uh, District 4, they were instrumental really helping us perfect our after school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the situation is, is that we have tailored uh, community programs for so long. Uh, we can do hot food, cold food. We can do it in Central Park, uh, for instance, right. Echo Fest, where we demoed for you know, thousands and thousands of people, uh, you know, uh, all the way down to a small, uh, you know, uh, health fair, for instance, with uh, Mount Sinai School of Medicine, if you will, or Omega Size is one of our uh, mm-hmm. great uh, groups that were, uh, hello, Edison Bonds, by the way, if you're <laughs> listening, uh, the Omega Size, we've been working with them for uh, five years, I think it is. And uh, the last program that we did, we, we missed last year, but, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, take a lot of the program, uh, to Harlem, East Harlem, uh, and again in the Bronx this year. But uh, we have done so many different scenarios where we've cooked so many different things. Kitchens are actually not necessary, but in District 4, they did uh, follow through where we actually now, when we do work with New York City schools, have a kitchen right at our command. And it works very, very well because the way that we created the program through not only a um, curriculum key that I wrote that I shared with you know, uh, a number of teachers in District 4, uh, basically the situation is they, they use that curriculum key and expand upon it. And then for the second part of the after school, the kids actually come down to the kitchen right. to actually act on what they've just learned. That's so, awesome, Chris. Fantastic. Thank you. So are you able to track how much your programs are changing family eating habits or how much kids are starting to cook at home? Do you get feedback from families or kids do you i mean has it resulted in for example weight loss or do you run any kind of surveys with whether or not kids are losing weight or families are losing weight as a result of uh you know participating in these programs yeah well we we have excellent word of mouth that comes back to us uh, Mm -hmm. with regards to you know the parental feedback especially and we know that we're uh, teaching skills to uh, a lot of uh, the the middle-aged school uh uh people especially that are what we call transferable skills. They middle are, school, you mean? Yeah. Not middle-aged. <laughs> Did <laughs> I say middle-aged? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, middle school, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, basically the situation is, is that we teach these uh, middle school uh, children these skills, and they are transferable, and we get excellent feedback. And uh, it, quite frankly, well, we had tried to implement a number of tools that uh, were you know, real solid metrics, if you will, but our budget has always been so slight. Right. Uh, that we have not really had, uh, you know, the ability to track. Like when we had our original website up, we had uh, a host company, VPI, that did uh, outstanding analytics on just the uh, curriculum, where it went out to nationwide uh, at one point. And I'm very proud of repeating this constantly. Uh, this is going back more than eight, nine years. The curriculum was actually being uh, employed. We had, uh, I think it was 13 requests in Hawaii, seven wow. in Guam. Amazing. So 
the ability to track that with uh, the loss of VPI as our host company that they basically imploded when the economy imploded. Mm -hmm. We transferred, and now we have uh, Mr. Frank Turbin uh, in Phoenix, who is actually outside of Phoenix, a a real bona fide cowboy who is actually uh, hosting the site for us and does pretty much most of the work gratis. Oh, man, that's amazing. Now, when you were talking about uh, these programs, I mean, first of all, the name, I'm going to go back to the name, Hospitality Industry Professionals. So when somebody implements a program, say, in Hawaii, are they doing it with, uh, in tandem with somebody who's in the restaurant business or in the food business already? Or is it just um, you get input from your colleagues in the food industry and they develop recipes for you or they help you develop curriculum? I'm a little... A little hazy on that well, detail. Uh, the situation with the curriculum is, especially the online curriculum, is this, uh, that uh, uh, Denise uh, uh, Hidalgo, who has been with us since, oh, I think 11 plus years, uh, actually wrote curriculum with Scholastic. She wrote for Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had multi-level uh, curriculum at one point. The new curriculum is actually being uploaded within the next uh, you know, couple of weeks, just a little bit that can be used here locally until the school year ends. And then we will follow on with Project Apple in the fall, right. which is something I'm very, very proud of. Uh, but uh, essentially, the situation is, is that curriculum has always been available for free, uh-huh. and uh, the recipes go hand-in-hand hand with that curriculum that is downloadable for free by any teacher in the country. I see. And uh, it really has changed dramatically with what I developed over the past year and a half that I call Project Apple, which will really shed some serious light on what I was talking about 13, 14 years ago when I said 21st century multimedia company. And, uh, you know, the, the pro bono lawyers, they get... Uh, they say, oh, watch the hyperbole, you know, so on and so forth. But uh, one of my descriptors has always been that I had wanted to change the website, for instance, into what I call a, a counterpart, if you will, uh, a Sesame Street for cooking for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all, you know, nutri- yeah, all nutritionally based. And then, of course, with the advent of a lot of the media now and the ease and simplicity of loading videos, for instance, right. uh, that's really going to be uh, you know something that we're going to take advantage of. So uh, that's what Project Apple is all about? That's about something that will be targeted specifically to New York City or to to the country. To the country. Actually I you know I had designs or So it's not hopes. a reference to the Big Apple. It's a reference no, to No, it's actually a, let, uh, a reference to the first letter in the alphabet uh, and cooking with apples, although it yeah. worked nicely with New York. But uh situation is is that uh, you know, without giving too much away. Uh, we also have uh, Henry A.J. Ramos, uh, who's a world-renowned artist, uh, mm-hmm. who's doing some things with us, and that will be a component of Project Apple. We noticed, uh, especially last year, that when, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the kids get, uh, you know, after a long school day, they'll get bored. So we decided to implement something uh, that would be a little more fun. And I came up with Art is Hip for Kids and enlisted Henry uh, Ramos. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, you know, kind of keeping that under the radar, exactly what that that media will look like. Uh, uh, But uh, basically, that's going to be the component that when the, uh, you know, the kids are sick of the learning uh, and the straight curriculum, if you will, that it's going to be all art uh, project. Like, you know, back in the parks in the the late 60s when, you know, we always used to do, you know, an art project to keep... uh, you know, to keep our uh, our uh, uh, selves going after school <laughs> yeah. in a creative way. I don't know, I was way. too busy smoking weed. <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar to me. But anyway, we're going to take a very short break. Um, Joe, let's run our quick sponsor drop, and we'll be right back with Chris Daly, the founder of Hip for Kids. Stay tuned. 
following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Did I? Oh, my God. Okay, we're back. This is uh, What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insight with Katie Kiefer. That's me, your host. And in the studio with me right now is Chris Daly, the founder of hip for kids which is... um, also known as Hospitality Industry Professionals for Kids, a 501c3 company designed to educate parents and children on the importance of healthy eating, good nutrition. And joining me is the wonderful Christy Robb, who is the Executive Food Director for St. John's Bread and Life in Bed-Stuy. Um, and Christy, you had a question for Chris, so let's go forward with that. Uh, yeah, I was curious, a couple things. It sounded like at one point maybe that your group does some catering or does some events, or I wasn't sure. You said we do some Well, you events do trade shows. Yes, trade shows. Yeah, we actually, it's okay. uh, listed right on the uh, on the website, the Eight, uh, I call them traditional formats that we've done. Of course, blasting off for, uh, with uh, Project Apple is going to be, well, it's yeah. it's basically the, the culmination of over a decade of experience in the community and then working with especially New York City teachers, just uh, without letting too much out of the bag. The curriculum key that I developed that they employ uh, is, you know, basically that's what surrounds the whole after school, if you will. And there's not anything like it, uh, so I'm sorry to be cryptic. We want to. You under- are. Oh, You're way I'm, too cryptic. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll have to just keep. keep we'll have yeah, to just have to actually tuned keep, for- keep tuned to hipforkids.org, and in yeah. the fall with Project Apple's launch. Uh, uh, yeah, that curriculum key will be furnished to every teacher in the country free of charge, though. That's Interesting, because that might be something that would be good for you, too, Christy, and yeah, your role yeah. at um, at St. John's Bread and Life. Because we do a lot of teaching, which yeah. Katie I do, said I before, teach she there. teaches there with us periodically, and demos, yeah. and just did mm-hmm. one recently that was and great. It's a very, um, it's a very receptive community. They really do want to know. They really are interested. A lot of them cook already. Um, so I think they come sort of almost to be um, not only just entertained, but also to see if I'm going to screw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's a very funny group. Anyway, um, I wanted to go on to the fact that you had just rolled out something uh, that you term a healthy snack product, chocolate hip cookies. Now, doesn't the cookie aspect of this kind of contradict the whole healthy eating message that you try to promote? No, it doesn't. I, it's right on par. Are uh, we supposed to eat cookies? I don't know. Well, you can <laughs> I personally never eat a cookie now. Oh, my goodness. Shame on you. No, never. Oh, my Mm-mm. God. Mm-mm. Well, one of the things is... I don't is eat that ice cream either. When, when we founded Hip for Kids, and, you know, just very quick going back to you, you mentioned how communities are hungry for the program. Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, for New York City schools, six years ago, I believe it was, in Brooklyn, uh, uh, was um, a... Uh, uh, program showing how without changing up their budget actually reducing their budget a lot like what alice waters has worked on i guess you could say mm-hmm. uh serving real whole food that uh you know they could really supply some excellent food that uh, you know kids would really be interested in uh, you know people are definitely in into the heat you know healthy eating aspect uh especially the uh, you know the uh lower income uh, uh communities that we've been in but when we founded Hip for Kids, I was I was always sure to uh, say to people that you can't it can't be about deprivation. You can't tell kids, oh, you can't have that cookie, no mm-hmm. chocolate cake for you. 
you know, know this, know right. that. Any any that nutritionist, uh, with, you know, that's worth his or her salt is going to say you eat the you know widest uh, possible scope, if you will, uh, of things. Uh, and uh, basically, you know, since we're not about deprivation, and because I founded Hip Snacks as a funding mechanism for Hip for Kids, and that first chocolate hip cookie is my point of entry into mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's absolutely filled with chia. Uh, organic chia seed, kosher organic chia, uh, it sets it apart from a regular mainstream item. So uh, anything, for instance, that you eat with chia, the way that I've manufactured the cookie at uh, Hudson Valley Workshop for the Disabled, by the way, Hudson Valley, it's handmade in the Hudson Valley. Uh, basically, the situation is is that it becomes a low glycemic food. So you're not talking about a regular snack item where you have that overload of sugar right. and you have that Pop, where suddenly you know you want more. Uh, yeah. I have uh, it's for instance our uh, editor of uh, Hip for Kids Today, the magazine on hipforkids.org. Uh, basically, he said he couldn't believe it the first time he ate the cookie. He just basically went without lunch. And I said, "Well, Bob, that's because it's basically a low glycemic chia has uh, you know this uh, ability to slowly release, mm-hmm. so it's not going to crash your insulin. So if you want that cookie." Uh, you're now eating something that's basically, I guess you could say, a mainstream item that is uh, tailored with health uh, aspects in mind. Very what other chocolate chip cookie is loaded with amino acids, antioxidants, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. I mean, all the health benefits are right up on the uh, site. Uh, consequently, How many calories? Uh, 120. Okay. But uh, basically, uh, and I'd like to point this out to people that do scrutinize it, even though it is a mainstream item, and we are doing much more different things down the road. Uh, our first 5,000 units, we did complimentary for Dr. Raz. Wow. So if uh, Dr. Raz Dr. Scru- Raz says yeah. it's okay. Well, yeah. what's, besides the chia, tell us a little bit more about the ingredients in it that make it There's a better product than your mainstream chocolate chip cookie, like Amy's, for instance, which I think produces a fantastic chocolate chip cookie. Or No, not Amy's, Tate's. Sure. You know Tate's. those? Now yes. you, you can taste the butter in those, so yep. you know there's no hydrogenated vegetable right. oil in that. Right. You can taste all of the ingredients. They're really pure. So what's in yours that makes it, first of all, so locale and also boosts, the, besides the chia, you mentioned amino acids, antioxidants. What else is in yeah, there? The, the chia is the uh, basically. Oh, that produces all of that's that. That's what produces the health uh-huh. benefits. And we you know, basically make the cookie. A lot of the fat is reduced because we use uh, organic valley from the Hudson, or organic uh, yogurt, pardon me, from the Hudson Valley. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a big part of the fat replacer, if you will. There's only 10 ingredients. Uh, mm-hmm. Technically, it's totally organic. Uh, you know, it uh, does not have the stamp, but it's fully natural. Uh, right. It has all the things that uh, a chocolate chip cookie has. It has butter from New York State, right. uh, which is triple shield kosher butter. Uh, does it have a lot? No. But, uh, you know, you look at uh, things that are made non-fat, low-fat, etc. What you see with products that are manufactured like that, as probably a lot of your listeners know, is that what they do when they reduce the fat is, they first there's the connotation that well, it has no fat, so I can have more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it has no fat, you get no point of satiation from it. Uh, and your your body's reaction is to keep eating, keep eating, keep Interesting. eating. Interesting, that's right. And what they do typically when they reduce fat like that is they add three times the amount of sugar. Uh-huh. So that's where the insulin crash comes in. 
It's almost like they've engineered it, right? Well, I'm hungry again. Well, they have. I'll have. Right. (laughs) There's no almost. They have. I didn't want to throw stones at anybody, but uh, please do. This is Heritage Radio Network. You have total stones need to be thrown, curled. Well, I mean, it's it's you know, it's a pity the way that they have engineered food, and you know, uh, when we talked briefly, uh, we talked about uh, you know some things like with Bill Maher, for instance. That you know, I had seen uh, you know uh, a couple of things on Friday night. You know, they talk about the whole situation where, you know, especially fast foods, and they talk about, well, we can't uh, pay uh, workers this wage because it'll cut into this low-margin business, and it's, you know, just a, a, you know, a steaming heap, if you will, because the whole situation <laughs> is, you. <laughs> you know, the whole situation is that, uh, you know, the whole industry is engineered that way. Those margins aren't as small as they make it out, and all of that synthetic and all that GMO, uh, Well, they're you know, subsidized. I mean, uh, yeah, they're yeah. all, uh, they're basically subsidized by taxpayer dollars because yeah. the feed costs are so low because of the subsidization of uh, grains and soybeans. Sure, sure. But let's move along a little bit because I want to, we only have a few minutes left and I know one of the things that I saw in your online magazine is that you have a career development aspect of Hip for Kids. I've had for many years. Um, you know, training and are encouraging young chefs to work in your after school programs or training kids who come up through the, the programs themselves. That's Tell right. us a little bit about that. What's what's going on? Well, that's, that's where we get a lot of our, our secret weapon is actually you know, a lot of uh, young people mm-hmm. in the culinary schools in New York City, especially, right. uh, who are very uh, keen on community service, uh-huh. and they just love what they see. Uh, you know, one of the things is is that uh, you know we've been very, very lucky with uh, recruiting from some of the schools, and also uh, people who are retired chefs. Gene uh, Ponsini, who is my uh, program. Uh, coordinator, uh, you know, he'll uh, basically be doing, you know, four schools in the Bronx with us uh, in the fall, for instance. But that's another secret weapon of ours, uh, you know, just really very, very effective. But it actually spun out of an entire idea where we had worked with OCFS here in New York for many, many years. I'm sorry, what uh, is OCFS? Uh, Office of Children and Family Services. Okay. And I had actually created a program with uh, Rodney Pride, who was their director uh, down here in the five boroughs, and it was to combat uh, recidivism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of you know these kids having absolutely nothing but looking forward to, you know, uh, committing un- another petty crime and going back to jail for selling a couple of blunts. Right. Yeah. Learn, mm-hmm. a, learn a trade. Uh, you know, at the very least, if yeah. you're not going to inject yourself into the trade, you've learned how to cook on a, you know, a minuscule budget. Everything right. that we do is fresh, fresh, fresh food. Uh, you know, and, you know, it's interesting because you look, uh, you know, this is has to be 13 years ago when we were at a summit in Harlem. And I basically, you know, relayed a thought that uh, was something that was taught to me at Culinary Institute of America by tremendous chef taught me there. Uh, His mantra was always, and why doesn't he or she know about this? Meaning the customer or the the layman, lack of culinary knowledge. And if you just take that basic knowledge and relay it to people, you can really start to turn things around uh, on end, especially considering, you know, back in the 70s, 73% uh, of Americans were still connected to agriculture. Now it's 2%, right? So that culinary knowledge, relaying that, you know, you look across the, uh, you know, socioeconomic spectrum, if you will, and you see people who are high income and you might have high school students that age and they can't identify eight out of ten fresh vegetables. That is true. That is crazy. Yeah, I see that a lot. I mean, I'm a, I have a teenager myself, and I do see that a lot of the kids um, are really pretty unaware of 
the opportunities or the or shall we say the you know the flavor profiles of way too many ingredients i mean it's just too too alien even though they'll eat sushi it's so funny because (laughs) new york city kids they're exposed to so many different types of food like they're very literate about um ethnic choices right but they are not literate about the basic nuts and bolts of what goes into making something and it's it's a really odd disconnect so they'll eat sushi very happily they'll go out for rice and beans but if you ask them to identify something in the grocery store chances are they don't have a clue yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because uh you know i still do a lot of private cooking i was cooking Mm -hmm. for a a U.S. ambassador, a friend of mine, uh, late last year, and I was in a store, and the young guy at the checkout counter, the cashier, held up an artichoke, and he said, what's this? Yeah, I see that all the time whenever I shop. Whenever somebody's new to the cash register, you show them a certain type of, you know, like, even if it's something like a tomatillo, which you think they might know, or if it's something like fava beans or artichokes or even certain types of eggplant. But anyway, let's move on a little bit because I wanted to ask you, how is your, because we really literally only have a couple of minutes left, what, what makes your approach different from other culinary programs that are targeted towards youth? For instance, Family Cook Productions. I've had Lynn Fredericks on a couple of times. Um, they have a program that's also very much an after-school-based idea, and they do like Teen Iron Chef, and right. they have contests. They, they do some really cool stuff, right. and I don't think it's all that different. And I, I sort of wondered about what made your program different from that, and then also... Do you team up with organizations like that? Do you guys, um, you know, ever sort of, uh, you know, consolidate your strengths, as it were? For for many years, we you know worked with a, a number of uh, different organizations. Uh, we actually started with uh, ADA, uh, and uh, you know, uh, well, Mount Sinai School of Medicine. We uh, were doing what we were doing. I think about six years before Lynn started her programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the situation is, is that we are always partnering. Uh, of course, funding last year was minuscule to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but the situation is, is that we're always partnering. Uh, partnering, pardon me, with uh, uh, things like Echo Fest, for instance. Uh, you know, uh, organizations like that. We. Uh, uh, had uh, partnered with uh, Urban Go Green for a number of years. We, again, last year had to sacrifice doing anything with Urban Go Green because of budget. Uh, but uh, essentially, we have been, uh, well, New York City schools and uh, New York City parks is the perfect examples. Uh, we were the original cooking component for Wake Up, Shape Up New York going ah. back nine and a half, ten years, I think. Right. Uh, that was uh, Deputy Commissioner Kevin Jeffrey, New York City Parks Department, installed us in all of the high, high uh, rates of, uh, you know, obesity and uh, diabetes uh, communities. Uh, unfortunately, you know, mostly Harlem, Bronx, etc. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those are traditionally the partners that we've uh, been working with. Uh, we went so far with Parks Department where we actually taught them the model so that they could carry it on system-wide, which they do still today. Amazing. Well, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up here. Um, so I just want to let people know that they can find out more information about Hip for Kids at HIP numeral 4 uh, kids, K-I-D-S, dot org, right? That's right. And it's then the you, can, you can read your newsletter and all of the projects that you're doing and what's going to happen with Project Apple, the very secret uh, program that you're rolling out next fall. Good Lord willing, and the funding comes. Yes. Um, and I want to say thank you to my sponsor. And I also want to let my listeners know that next week, uh, Hank Cardulo is coming on. Hank is a food industry analyst. Um, 
he's a really interesting guy, and he's basically a financial whiz. He writes for Forbes, he writes for The Atlantic, and he and I will be talking about activism and economics in the food industry. So I do hope you'll join me for that show. I want to thank you very much, Chris, for coming in. Thanks, Christy, for sitting in. Thanks to to Joe, my engineer, and thanks to my sponsor. We'll see you next week. It's been another great episode of What Doesn't Kill You. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.